This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer, not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. Y'all know me. I'm very enthusiastic about the Lord. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. You in second, you in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. I welcome you to the online watching. I pray that God uses your connection more than just by the internet, but he connects to your heart this morning by the things that he's going to tell you, and I pray that you'll begin to do the things that he show you. And as we say at the beginning, as we do at the end, if you're not saved at any time, you don't have to wait to be saved. You can get saved right now. It's never too early to get saved, but it can be too late. I say it's never too early to get saved, but it can be too late. It's better to die saved than to die not saved and knowing where you're going to go either way. I say it's better to die saved and die not saved, but knowing where you're going either way. So we always extend an opportunity to get saved, so don't wait too late. Amen? Y'all in Titus chapter 2? We're going to pick up at verse 11 through 15. Say, I'm there, preacher. I heard some of y'all say, I'm there, preacher. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's a resume right there for somebody. Speak the things, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your holy word. We thank you for Jesus walking among us to teach us what your word was in life. And we thank you for giving us these holy scriptures in a book that have now been transformed from a book to the pages of our heart. We pray, Lord, that you would let your word sink deep into our heart, that it resonates in our lives, to change us from one moment to the next, that your glory be revealed to us and all around about us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. As you're taking your, taking your seat, tell somebody the glory of God is here. Say it like you believe it. A few had the opportunity last week to hear me preach this message. And I'm not even sure if I'm going to say the same things I said last week because God been dealing with me a week ago since then. So we sometimes find ourselves looking for God in tangible ways and missing God the whole time we're searching. We tend to think everything that we're going to see is going to be natural, but sometimes God shows us things that are supernatural and they only can be seen and dealt with from a spiritual standpoint. It takes a while sometimes for things to Enter from the, come from the spirit realm to the realm in which we live. It takes a while sometimes for your prayers to be answered. It took 21 days for Daniel when he was crying out, but God told Daniel, I heard you when you first cried out. But it was 21 days later before the manifestation of the prayer because the enemy of Persia at that time fought against him and withheld the answer. 
So I don't want you to ever to be discouraged about any prayer you make when you make that prayer in faith, believing in whom you pray to, that he has heard you when you began your prayer. Your prayer is then on the, the answer is then on the way. So don't lose faith. Don't lose heart and don't faint in well-doing, the scriptures let us know. So don't give up on your prayers. If you're praying in vain, that means your prayer is not going to be answered in the first place. You must believe when you pray in order for you to ever receive your prayer. Amen? So I want you to intensify your prayer language and intensify your prayer life that you start seeing more actions of your prayer come to pass. If you're not praying much, you shouldn't expect much in prayer. Uh, it's people want to rent up a little prayer, want a lot of answer, but you're not spending a lot of time in prayer getting to know the Lord that the one you're talking to can reveal to you what you're asking him. And more times than not, prayer goes unanswered because you want something for self and flesh, and God is not dealing with yourself and flesh. He wants to deal with your spirit that he can manifest your flesh into a spirit being. I told you I'd come to tell you something. I hadn't started preaching yet. This is prelude to the sermon. But we want something from God, but we don't want to give self to God that God can do something with the self he owns and make something out of you for himself. We already read you have been redeemed to himself, that he can purify you for himself, that he can redeem you and show God you. But what God keeps seeing is Jesus because he can't see you because you're not, you're not acting like Jesus. You want to be Jesus when you want to be Jesus in here, but when you get out of here, you act like you, and Jesus don't go with you. I come to warn somebody. He said ex exalt and rebuke. I'm not going to share which I'm going to do first or which one I'm going to do most, but you're going to get both barrels. God is tired of playing with babies. Uh, he's tired of dealing with babies. Jesus oftentimes says, suffer how long? I got to suffer with you before I get what I'm telling you, that you begin to do what I have shown you. How long must Jesus suffer with us? I mean, put up with us, tolerate us, and let us go through the same thing over and over and over when you've already been delivered. You've already been set free, but you want to get in abundance so he can deliver you again. That work is finished on the cross. Your problems have been nailed to a stake and thrown away. You need to pick up the new you and walk in the newness of life and perform the things God has promised to your life that your prayers begin to be answered constantly in your life. Let's make our first turn. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33, I can't preach forward until I take you back and show you what Paul was teaching Timothy because he was telling Timothy how to do sound doctrine. He was teaching his young protege how to be a good minister of the truth and do the truth, not just hear the truth, but be the truth. Y'all hear me? I said do the truth, don't just hear the truth, be the truth. It's easy to tell anybody anything, but can you always tell them the truth? Uh Y'all will catch up. It's easy to tell anybody anything, but it's hard to always tell them the truth. Amen? Amen. Many people spend much time fabricating something that's not really valid to tell somebody something that they want them to hear. When you could have just cut through the chase and told them the truth when they want to hear it or not, that's what they need. Jesus came. He was the truth. He came to tell us the truth, to bear witness of the truth. We are his disciples told to learn the truth, do the truth, and be the truth. No one should accuse you of anything you didn't do. If you did it, you did it. Tell the truth, I did it. If you didn't do it, they accuse you of it. You didn't do it, it's still true. You didn't do it. You don't have to prove either way. The truth going to tell you the truth anyhow. Are y'all in Exodus chapter 33? We're going to pick up at verse 7. Exodus 
whoa, I'm falling apart up here. That's not the truth. Exodus 33, verse 7, this dialogue between Moses and God, a man praying and prophesying at the same time. Y'all hear me? Y'all do know Moses was a prophet, right? A mighty leader of God, but he's praying to God, having a com communication with God, but he's prophesying already. Y'all pay attention. First of all, I, didn't, I started at verse 7, but if you need to read the whole thing, understand that that was a problem before the man started praying. And there was a problem as he was praying because he started seeing or talking about the future for us, although we weren't even yet there. Verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and they called it the tabernacle of meeting. <laughs> and it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. You need to find a place to meet with the Lord. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his own tent. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speak to his friend. Hmm. And he will return to the camp but his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Let me paragraph pause right there. You see, it's full Sunday, so it's you Sunday, right? Anybody here under 20? Anybody here under 20, would you stand up? Stand up. If you're under 20, stand up. Oh, I see some mighty men and women standing up. Now, listen to me before you sit down. This message is for you. Don't disregard what Moses the prophet is saying. Because Joshua is in the tent with Moses, a young man, hearing and seeing what the old man is doing with the Lord. You don't come to church just because your parents bring you. You come because God is calling you to come, and you might not want to get up, but yet you're still here. So don't come and get nothing. Don't go to school and get nothing. Every time you go somewhere, get something that's worth having. I say every time you go somewhere, get something worth having. It's a lot of stuff out there that's not worth having that people get, and they can't get rid of it once they got it. So you young people, listen to your parents. Tell your parents that I'm hearing you, Mom. I'm hearing you, Dad. I'm listening to you, Grandma. And get something from what they say. They may not always say what you want to hear, but get something anyway. You may be seated. I wouldn't be where I am if I wouldn't listen to somebody. Amen. And none of you guys either. Don't play with me today. And it came to pass, verse 9 again, when Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the, at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped each man in his tent door. Now, all of you over 20, this is for you. The people saw the presence, but they didn't deal with the person that was talking.
to Moses. Many times we come in a place and we say the presence of the Lord is here. But the people don't talk to the person of God while you're here. They just deal with the presence. We said the Lord is in the midst. Where two or three get in his name, the Lord is in the midst. Yes, he is, because the presence of God is everywhere. The whole earth knows his glory. But that because he's in the presence of God don't mean you spend time with the person of God to know God, who God is, and God don't express himself to you. You got to stop visiting the presence only and move on to the person. Now, last week, they're ahead of you right now, so I'll tell you what I told them. Major and Ty and uh, Rob. I told them we're dealing with the presence, person, and the power of God. The presence we all kind of sort of familiar with. Select few even know the person. But rarely hardly any get to experience the power. But we need to move from the beginning on to the end. To include all three because the three are in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we need to stop dealing with the thing from the one position only. And be totally submerged in God. That when he come, we know the presence is here. We witness to the power of God because a person is also here. Because the interchange, Moses was communing with God. It says face to face as a friend talked to his friend. So he knew him. And he was talking to him like he knew him. He said, I know, I know you by name, God said. Let's move on. Presence. Person. Power. So the Lord, verse 11 again, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speak to his friend. You know, Jesus called us no longer servants, but he called us what? Friend. He wants us to know him face to face as a friend. And he will return to the camp with his servant Joshua, young people. The son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Twelve. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Ah, that's where prophecy starts. Because God did not deal with the children of Israel out of grace. He taught them the law. Moses was a lawgiver. But the, prophets, the prophet now is seeing into the future. He's seeing God got grace in his character somewhere. And he want to pull out grace so grace can be used alongside mercy. We say from Psalms, surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. So God is letting Moses get a glimpse of something Moses don't know nothing about, but he's revealing to him God got grace. Moses is prophesying to us because he's speaking of the times when grace would be common, not just the law. Y'all know we couldn't deal with the law. We needed grace because right now if God was still a law-abiding judge, none of us would be sitting here. Amen. So Moses is talking to God like a friend and said, God, your people, your people, not my people, because God had called the people, Moses' people, because they had been cutting the food. Y'all do it sometimes. When your kids cut the food, that's your child. Wife, or that's your child, husband. But when they're doing good, that's our child. So Moses and God is acting like us right there, because when your kids cut up, they ain't mine. They, they, too acting, they ain't acting nothing like me. They got to be yours. Oh, Jesus. Thirteen. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. Not my people, but they're your people. And he said, my presence 
will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, prophesying, and the prophecy is coming to pass. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Now, I need to teach you something about glory. Pastor, you have done a fantastic job about declaring this year the year of glory. And you did a profound series about what glory is and how God's glory is revealed to mankind. But glory is not what they saw. They were seeing the presence and called it glory. Glory, because God is a spirit, he can't be seen. He's invisible to man. He revealed himself in glory to display his attributes. Glory is an attribute of the character of God, which make known to man through revelation of God. He reveals a portion of himself by kindness. That's his glory. By mercy. That's his glory. By favor. That's his glory. By salvation. That's his glory. Glory is not something visible as much as it is tangible to hold on to. Ah, oh, Jesus. It is not as visible as it is tangible to hold on to. You can wear the glory of God and, and, and it can be displayed on you and you don't even know you got it on. It's in Exodus chapter 34 when Moses had come down from the mountain. I don't just read one chapter when I read the Bible. By the way. When Moses come down from the mountain, he had spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of the Lord getting the commandments for the people. They, when he came down, he, was, he radiated his face, shone like the brightness of the sun. So he was so radiant, they were afraid of Moses. So they had him to put a veil on so they could be close to him. That was the glory that they could see shining on Moses. Moses couldn't even tell he was wearing such a thing. I said, Moses didn't even know he had it on. You don't know you got glory on until you spend time with God. And others see the glory of God on you and you don't even know you're wearing it. John tells us in John chapter 4 that God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And we say that, and it is true. But I need to tell you that in a English Standard Version, it tells us that your reasonable service, that word was a reasonable service, that is your spiritual worship. So God's saying, when you do what is right in his sight, you are rendering to him spiritual worship. Now, the woman at the well had been in trouble. When Jesus revealed to her what trouble was and who he was to take trouble off, she wanted to worship. And he told her, you know not what you worship. Because she didn't know how to worship in spirit and in truth. Because worship is a spiritual thing that you give to a spiritual God that he received from a spiritual being that he has recreated. Amen? You can't worship in your flesh. I thought I could. I laid on the floor. I extended my hands, closed my eyes. That would get me nowhere. But when I realized that my lifestyle that pleases the Lord is constant worship when I don't say nothing. Y'all hear me? So then God is glorified in my worship because my life is pure in his sight. Jesus has purified me. Now watch this. It's not that I don't mess up. It's not that I don't sin. It's not that I don't make mistakes. Sometimes you do it intentionally if you get me on the wrong side of the tracks at the wrong time of the day. But anyway, that's not the issue. The issue is that my lifestyle is in Christ Jesus and he has made me pure before God so my worship is genuine. Amen? So I can lift up holy hands even though I may have touched something I shouldn't have put my hands on. 
<laughs> oh, Jesus. I come to preach you into a frenzy. I want to preach you into out of your place, into your transformation place. Because Moses went up and got transformed. He came down glowing. Y'all know Jesus took three disciples up on the mount, hurry up, and he was transformed in their sight. They had never seen glory like that. Moses showed up at the same site because Moses had experienced transformation, so he had the right to be there. Huh. I don't know about you, but I have experienced transformation, so it is where God is. I want to be where you are. I have the right to be there because I've been transformed. I'm not the old me. I'm the new me. I can go wherever God goes. The Bible says we have access to heaven right now. I can go into heaven anytime I want to. Amen? Flesh can't go, but spirit can go to heaven anytime. We are seated. I told y'all that before. We are seated now in high places with Christ Jesus. We're in heaven. Y'all think y'all coming to church, y'all coming to sit in heaven. God the Father and Jesus behind me talking to y'all. I hope y'all listen. Uh, Jesus. Verse 17, so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. God's glory is essentially the profound, glowing, visible expression of the attributes of deity, which bears witness to a still more profound and incomprehensible reality of essence. Moses wanted to see the essential nature of God, for he understood clearly that there was a distinction between God's absolute character and his revealing of himself to man. So no man has seen God face to face, but Jesus came to show us who God is. He came to reveal the Father that you and I may know God through Jesus Christ. Now God has moved into every believer's heart. Jesus said, Behold, Revelation 3.20 said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open, I come in and sup with him. Me and my Father will make our abode in your heart. So God is in you. You can't see him, but you're supposed to display him that others may get to know him through your visits with him. I said, You can't see him, but others should get to know him through your visitations with him, that you may display him. The glory of God needs to be upon every believer that he may be displayed amongst the people that don't know him. Through your time with the person of God gives you the power to produce God's salvation to others that God had not won yet, waiting on you to spend time with a person that he can win others through your lifestyle of surrender to him. We miss the mark, not just by sinning. We miss the mark by not knowing the person. You're supposed to spend time with the Lord. You're supposed to spend time with him. There should be no more special time than your quality time that you spend with the Lord. I said there should be no more special time in your life than you spend with the Lord. You've got to spend time with the Lord to know who he is, the person of God. Well, then, who is this person? God gave us many names of himself. But the name that I want you to key on most is God as Emmanuel. God with us. But I don't want you to say us. I want you to start saying God with me. I want you to start seeing God with you. Though you physically can't see him, I want you to start seeing him with you. Seeing him in your thought life that you don't think some things that you want to think because you put those, cast those thoughts out and you start thinking like God. He said, put this mind which was in Christ Jesus, put it in you. You can think like God and stop thinking like you think and stop making mistakes, mistakes with your thoughts. Uh, you don't just up and do something. You think about it. Then you go and make a mistake with the mistake thought life that you have. 
Stop just carelessly thinking and control your thoughts. Amen? I say to those that are incarcerated all the time, I say, it'd be okay if I was in your head making you do the crime that you to get your body locked up. But it's your mind in you fighting against you, got you locked up when your mind can close your eyes right now, you can travel anywhere and be free. I say, you need to flip that, switch it up, lock your mind up, I mean, lock your mind up and free yourself. Make yourself free because your mind serves you, not serve the enemy. And you serve the Lord, so your mind serves the Lord in you. Amen? Tell somebody the glory of God is here. How do you know that? Tell me he's with me. Because I know the person, he lives in me. I'm spending time with him even now. Amen? I said this already, so I'll read it to you. This is in the English Standard Version, Romans 12.1. English Version, Romans 12.1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In the English Version, it said it is your spiritual worship. So when you present yourself a living sacrifice, that means a lot. That means a whole lot more than we give it credit for. Because it's a sacrifice that loves someone that's mistreating you. It's a sacrifice to love something that's not good to you. It's a sacrifice to go when you're tired of going. It's a sacrifice to do when you don't feel like doing no more. But God said, present your body a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. In Titus, it said, zealous for good works. Zealous means you are ambitious, enthusiastic, tirelessly doing it. You are enthused to do it. You want to do it. You can't help but to do it. You're propelled to do it. You wake up wanting to do it. You go to sleep, can't wait to get up to do it. Amen? Good works. Now, we know what good works is, I hope you know. Just in case you're second guessing, Jesus went about doing what? Good. Healing all manner of sickness and disease. He told us we have the same authority to go about doing good. Healing all manner of sickness and disease. It tells us that there should be no sick among us. I'm talking about the presence, the person, and the power. Because with those three, there is nothing that can defeat you or no one that you want to have victory over. Amen? It's time for the glory of God to start resonating in the house of God with the people of God, doing the things of God, that there be no lack in God. We can't, we can't be content with just coming and going. We've got to become continuously doing that God can perform. I said we can't become content with coming and going. Coming to church, going to church, leaving church, doing things. But nothing is happening. Please don't hear the wrong thing. Clean out your spiritual ears. We do a lot of great things. I'm proud to be a part of the great things that we do. But all of our good, and good doing is not good enough. We're not seeing God do things that God only can do. I said we're not seeing God do things that only God can do. We got to go to our limit. <laughs> Get to our limit and go to prayer. Go to prayer and then go to the person. Go to the person and start producing the power. And then we can move on to the next time to do the same thing over and again. Power should be a constant thing. Every time Jesus went somewhere, there was power produced. Every time he went some, some, somewhere, something miraculous happened. I don't want to see one miraculous thing. I want to see them all the time that I'll never get full of seeing them. You got some music you can listen to over and over. You never get tired of it. So we should never get tired of seeing miracles. Means that give us more opportunity to bless the Lord. 
with all my soul. Amen? Amen. Last turn. I don't pay that clock no attention. I don't know why you got it on. Uh, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. While you turn, I'm going to tell you what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Philippians 3, verse 3, it says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Your flesh is just a transportation tool God used to get you from point A to point B. Your spirit is the one that he's after. Your spirit is the one the enemy fights you to steal from you. Because the enemy don't want your soul to rest in eternity with God. He's not fighting your flesh, although your flesh may be afflicted. He don't care about your flesh. <laughs> although you pamper it and beautify it and all these things we do to it, it's going to turn to dust from which it came. It's no good. So we need to put more effort into our spirit, man. Make that rascal strong and bulk him up and flexible and tough. Able to leap strong buildings and eat bullets and all kind of stuff. Amen. God wants you a mighty, a mighty warrior, not weaklings, trying to fight and running from the fight all the time. Tripping over your own feet, trying to get away from the battle. Amen. Mighty men of war. We have a warrior development class to develop mighty warriors. You don't go to that class just to learn something and go home and sit on nothing. Amen? You don't become ministers of the gospel to tell nobody what you know. You don't become a Christian just to keep salvation to yourself. God won't work us. Zealous for him. Amen? If you haven't told nobody this week about Christ, you have not done your job. You shouldn't have got a paycheck. What did I say? First Peter? Chapter 3, chapter 1. Okay, let's begin at verse 3 then. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Say, I'm there, preacher. That was half of you. The other one said, I'm there, preacher. That sounds better. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to live in hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't want you to overlook that word begotten. Because the only begotten son, God has begotten all of us and made us his unbegotten sons. We are no longer just flesh. We are begotten of God, have been brought into the royal household of God. We are children of God. He has begotten us again into living hope. You are not who you were. You are born again. You are saved. You are delivered. You are healed. You are set free. You are made whole. You got to walk in the presence of that. Stay in the power of that. That the person of that, you now in Christ, and Christ in you is that. Did y'all hear me? You can't let these light afflictions take from you who God has made you to be. He cannot destroy you. The enemy cannot destroy you. He has no authority, no power over you. In fact, you are invited me in for a fight every now and then just to show him that you are stronger and mighty. You need to tell him, come on, buddy. You picked the right one. I've been working out for you. I'm ready. Amen? Just don't be running from no fight. You see sickness, get brave, get courageous. Amen? Amen. Jesus walked by caskets and people stood up. 
Amen? You got the power of God working in your life. Stop being timid. Stop being reluctant, hesitant. Stop being waiting for God to do something. God waiting on you to do what he told you. Amen? You're more than what you know. We each are more than what we know. Moses came to show us how to get there. Jesus came to reveal what Moses prophesied would come to pass. Grace and mercy is ours. It's our right. It's our inheritance. I didn't tell you this, so I got to go back and pick this up. God is long-suffering. He's a, these are his attributes. He's forbearing. <laughs> He's meek and kind. That word forbearance is a, is a powerful thing because he has the legal right to judge you for the crimes that we have done. But it says forbearance, he refrains himself. He refrains himself from judging you according to what you do because he has given you grace instead. He has the legal right to punish you because the wages of sin is death. He has the legal right to kill you any time and every time we sin, but he refrains himself. This is forbearance. He refrains himself from judgment, and he grants mercy instead. He doesn't like sin, but he tolerates it for our sake. But he don't even see our sin because the sins we have done and going to do and did do has already been nailed to the cross and it's away from you already because Jesus has taken the sins of the world upon himself. So God don't even remember the fact that we are sinners anymore. He calls us saints. He don't even know you as a sinner anymore. We call each other you sinning. No, God don't call you a sinner. He called you my child. Amen? And he's not like some parents. When you do wrong, he disowns you. He said he's married to the black side. When you do wrong, he still come after you. He still wants you. Y'all remember the son of the wayward son that went away for a long time and destroyed all they had? He used the father to illustrate how God really is that he welcomed him with open arms, as stinking as he was, as nasty as he was, as disgusting as his life had been. He welcomed him as this. He was the best thing he had ever seen. He adorned him with a robe and gave, put on a fine jewelry on his hand. Amen? Amen? God has granted us everything. Everything pertaining to godliness, he has given it to us already. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Good is godliness. God is good. Yeah. Jesus said, don't call me good. He asked the man, why do you call me good? There's none good but my father. But when Jesus went to the father, he had gave everything that he had back to us. So now we are good people. Because we are in the goodness of God. We are the righteous people because we are the righteous God. We don't have enough righteousness of our own, but God has made us his righteousness through Jesus Christ. Amen? So, so when someone judges you for doing wrong, say, okay, I made a mistake, I repent, but I'm still the righteousness of God. And move on about your business. Amen? Y'all interrupt me a lot. I'm trying to read 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 4. To an inheritance imperishable or incorruptible and defiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved or tormented or hurt or rejected or despised, mistreated. Have some losses, kicked out, kicked down, disregarded, 
anything that you have experienced that wasn't in your favor happen to you over and over again. It says you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, none of us have seen Jesus. Tangibly seen the man of God walking in the earth. But each of you that have believed in your heart and that have confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, that God raised him from the dead, has had an encounter with Jesus. And now that you have had this encounter with Jesus, the person of God, you need to spend more time dealing with the encounters that you can now have with Jesus. No one should have one encounter and live off of that for the rest of their life. Uh, though that initial experience was phenomenal, and that initial experience will get you the glory, eternal salvation, heaven, when you die. You don't need to just sit there and die until you get to death and go to heaven. You need to be living, having those continual encounters with the Lord. Jesus didn't talk to his disciples one time. He talked to them for three years all the time. He visited them when they thought he was gone forever, after he had risen from the dead to show them what he said about himself, concerning himself in the future, would be. So we, too, have the same hope that what he said to them will be also. But we don't have to wait to get to heaven to see Jesus. We can see Jesus any time we want. Get in his presence. Meaning this, you have to reverence Jesus. Reverence invites him, the cloud, to come. Moses prepared a place for the presence to come. When he prepared an atmosphere for the presence to see, the people even saw the presence come because the one after him prepared a place for him to come to. That's your responsibility to prepare a place for God to visit you. And if you don't do that, God is not entitled to visit you ever. Though he wants to be your Emmanuel, he don't have to show up. You don't invite everybody to your house, but those you invite and persist to come, they eventually come because they get tired of you inviting them. Y'all hear me? So you got to create a place and invite the Lord continuously for his presence to show up. Now, once his presence arrives, it's key that you know how to saturate yourself that he may fill himself with you. You do this by longing for him once he shows up. It'll be no different than dating your first date. You do all these things that make him or her want to notice you when you arrive. You don't just show up. You prepare to be there. Y'all listen to me. So God wants the same effort for him to show up and see that you're ready when he get there. You got to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. You don't just disregard what he says. If he says repent, you know what he means. You have done something that offended him that holds him back. Although his presence is there, his person is refrained. Amen? When you repent, he come closer. Then he shows you things that are not suitable for you to be doing anymore. Uh, God come to clean up. I said I come to rebuke some things. God want to clean up some things because y'all holding his person back. And God wants to be Emmanuel. That he, he, that's his name. He can't help it. He created us to be near us all the time. He made us different from everything else he made. He want to be with man, constantly with man, longing for man. His mind is even full of man. He always thinking about you, not thinking about him. Why? 
is this person not on my why is, am I not on this person's mind? And I can't get them out of my mind. You know your first date, you couldn't get her or him out of your mind. You thought about it all day long. Went through the day thinking about how I can make it good. When I, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to stutter. I don't want to seem scared. I don't want to be too, too courageous. I want to be just right. So with the Lord, you need to put the same emphasis on making things just right. We read it all the time. You need to do a self-inspection. Purify me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me whole, make me new, that I might worship you. Now, when you have rendered yourself and surrendered yourself and the presence is there and the person is there, now it's time for the production of God's power. He don't just give his power to anyone because everyone is not able to handle the power. It goes to their head, they think they're doing it. It takes humility to walk in authority and power. Jesus humbled himself even unto death that he may be exalted. And above everything, and all power was given to him because he learned and displayed what humility was. Humility is not just dying to self once, but it's constantly killing you. I said, it's not dying to self once, it's constantly killing you. You want to do things that you know you can't do no more, that's killing you. But you got to stop doing those things that God may elevate you to a place of power that he can propel himself through you. You should better lay hands on the sick and walk off knowing they're getting up. I say you should better tell blind eyes open, knowing they're going to see. Amen? Do you want to see the power of God? I said, do you really want to see the power of God? You need to go through this week practicing the presence, the person, expecting the power. That's your homework assignment. And if you don't have an encounter next week, you need to do the same thing. Because God tests your sincerity by your continuity. I said, God tests your sincerity by your continuity. You can't ask one time to get something. We read it in the Bible. The person keep knocking. Jesus said, knock, 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 and knock. You keep pounding on heaven's door until you get the person that you want. You keep pounding on the person until you get the power that he has to give. Amen? Then you can start seeing it flowing and operating. Jesus said, I give you power. Tell him to give you the power and let you operate with the power he has given you. He said, no good gift will I withhold from you. Amen? Y'all clock went off. Mine didn't. Oh, Jesus. Verse 10, right? Is that where I stopped? Verse 9, I'm sorry. Let's start at 8. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. Talking about Jesus. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Tell somebody the glory is here. The glory of God is here right now. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that will come to you and I. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified before him the sufferings of Christ, and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which even angels desire to look into. This great plan of salvation is here. It is God's glory on display. 
That's why I can tell you the glory of God is here. Salvation has come. Your faith has made it alive in you. This alive faith in you is the same alive faith that you need to use to appropriate the power of God to you that you can do the things God has called you to do. You have been commissioned, we all have, to go out and preach the gospel to every creature, convincing them, convicting them, condemning them, showing them, teaching them, urging them to get this salvation that the glory of God may appear to them, that they too can have that transformation <laughs> like Moses, like the three disciples up on the mount with Jesus, like you and I in our salvation experience, and like we're going to have when we spend time with the presence, the person, and the power of God, that we're going to continually be changed from glory to glory. Amen? Now, you that are online, I'm not going to disregard you. You've been responsible for your life, too. Up until this point, you thought you could do what you want to do with your life. We all have thought that. But God is the only one in charge of life. He gives it and he takes it. He gives us an opportunity to experience it. But he teaches us how to live it. You can experience life on either side, the worst side or the best side. Some folks stay in the middle don't know which side they're on. But I encourage you to get on the Lord's side, that you can experience the best of God. You can have the best of God in you and round about you. I know we read it already. There are trials in life. The Bible even tells us there are many other afflictions of the righteous, but God shall deliver us from them all. We've all got problems. That's not the issue. You can't let the problem have you. You've got to have God, and God can resolve your problems. Amen? Spend time in his presence. Spend time with the person that he may produce the power that you need to perform in your life the things that you want out of life. You need to minister to Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means serve him fervently with your whole heart. Kneel to him. Worship him. Honor him. That he may minister to you. What does that mean? That he may, he may render to you the things you need that you can't ever have without him. Salvation is an exchange. Your mess for his righteousness. Your problems for his productivity of your future. And his performance of the things that you need that you can never have without him. There's a longing placed in mankind for God only. No matter what you get, it can't be filled and satisfied by nothing else other than God himself. You can go through life having everything and still be missing him. And you'll be always missing something very special to you. Not knowing what's missing until you meet him. Amen? Do you love Jesus? Do you love him more than anything? Will you do anything to see his glory? Will you do everything to display his glory? Stand to your feet. Would you play that I love you more than anything one more time? You got to learn how to love him. You got to stop blaming God for things that are not his fault. Uh, we've all done it. Why, Lord? Why did this have to happen? How come you let this happen? Why me, Lord? We do it, not knowing that we point a finger at God that loves us. There's problems in the earth. We live in a fallen world, so bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Bad things going to happen no matter what. But God can resolve and fix everything. You must count on him. You must put your trust in him. You must have your confidence in God and not in your own flesh. Amen? You got it? I love you more than anything. Play it.
I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Sing it. I love you, Jesus. Come on. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We really love you, Jesus. Lord, we love you more than anything, more than self itself, Lord. We love you more than the air we breathe, Lord, and we need that to be alive, Father. We thank you for all your goodness, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you let Moses prophesy to us, telling us what grace is and that grace should come to us, Lord. We thank you for anointing Peter to tell us that we have this hope already, and our hope is not in vain. We have never seen Jesus in the flesh, Lord, but we look forward to meeting him face to face, even as a friend, Lord. We want to meet him in our meeting room. We would, this week, Lord, we would set some time aside every night, Lord, to meet in his presence, to talk with his person, to exchange ourselves for the righteousness of God, Lord that you may use us as vessels of honor and display your power through us, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray right now that there's anyone that does not know you in the pardoning of their sins, that they become saved today, Father. I said earlier, Lord, we're all going to die, but Lord, we don't know when. But we don't want to die not knowing, that, not knowing you. Knowing, without, knowing if we die without knowing you, where we will spend eternity. But when death comes, Lord, those that are saved, we know that we will spend eternity with you. It is my hope that everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, die in Christ that they may live forever with you, Lord. I pray that these, your precious people, Lord, have heard your word. Take your word to heart, Father, and apply it to their lives. Especially this, this week, Lord, seek you like they have never sought you before, Lord. We still live in turmoil times, Lord. Things are still going around us all kind of ways, crazy, Lord, sideways. Lord, Lord, we know hatred is running rampant in the earth, Lord. But your love prevails, God. Love covers a multitude of sins, so love, let your love cover the things that we can't fix, Lord, that we be fixed and keep our minds stayed upon you. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of appeals. If anyone needs prayer, because there's always an issue in somebody's life. If you need prayer, lift your hand up, and we'll pray for you. You online, if you need prayer, there's a number on your screen that you can tap into and you can call and we'll pray for you as well. Someone will reach out and pray to you. And if you're online and we have a prayer vigil that we pray to, you can send that in. We'll put you on our prayer list and we'll continue to pray for you. But those of you that with your hand raised, I don't need to know what your situation is. God knows your situation. By fact, you raise your hand, he's working on your behalf right now. This week, more than any week in your life, I want you to put that prayer before God every night or every morning. That prayer that you raise your hand for, put that prayer before God. Spend time in his presence. Exchange that problem with the person and expect the power of God to perform to answer your prayer. Amen? You do that this week 
and God is going to see about you. I love you. I thank God for you. And if you don't have a church home, this is a wonderful ministry for you online as well. I see visitors in here. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to become a part of this ministry. One thing we do do here is hold you accountable to the Bible that we read. We don't just yell out scriptures. Well, I do, but in general, we teach the Bible from the Bible. We encourage you to have a Bible and follow us along in the Bible so we're not saying something that's not in your Bible. That you can validate what's saying and prove it's true in the Bible. And the only book that's really true is the Bible. There are a lot of facts in a lot of books, but the only truth is the Bible. I know some people debate that because man wrote it, but God inspired man to write the Bible. There's too many people that wrote it, they're saying the same thing for a man to do it alone. Amen? So you need God in your life. Sometimes people go to church and church hurts people. Church run people away, but don't let a church cause you to leave God. Amen. Don't let a person cause you to miss God because of the behavior of a person. I'm not saying that this church may hurt you. It may not. If it does, we repent for that church hurt right now. But don't leave the church because of a person. Put that prayer on that person in your prayer time. And cause that person's heart to be changed by your saturating his life or her life with prayer. Don't you send that to him. Let God talk to him. When you see the glory shine to that person, thank God for answering your prayer and give that person a hug for changing. Y'all hear me? Amen. Stop running from God because of people. Yeah. 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 Uh, I guess I'm through. <laughs>